Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I really like how this location services says we're at the mummy ride right yeah, now. That's blasphemy. We're at Jurassic Park. Welcome. It is July 7th. Right? Correct. It is July 7th. Oh my god, it might be my parents' 40th wedding anniversary. And we just rode Jurassic World the ride for the first time. I'm here with Brenna White, a.k.a. Beeksels, a.k.a. Bonnie Puns, and Chris Bermonte, a.k.a. Amontioc. First reactions, non-spoiler reactions. This has been this has been a less than a year in the making. They turned this around pretty I, goddamn quick. I'm shocked. I'm shocked at the work that they did. This completely exceed. I, I didn't really go in with any expectations, but for sure, like the Jurassic Park ride seems so quaint and far away now. Like, oh, wasn't that like a cute, quaint ride compared to this, like truly astonishing? Uh, I don't know, mir- miracle of, of thrills, of cloning, of thrills and cloning. Miracle thrills. <laughs> Is that cloning or chlorine? But both. A little yeah. bit of both. A little bit of both. Mm. Wow. I loved it. I'm so happy it's open. I think that what I appreciate specifically about the whole experience of this Jurassic World section is that in that in the film's Jurassic World, the storyline is that it opened to the public and the public got to attend it. And that's just part of what the flavor of that uh, that 
version of the Jurassic Universe is, I think that this live attraction fits in with its film a little clearer. Oh, yeah. In that we're t- we get to go to Isla Nubar. The Jurassic Cafe is oh, open. Oh, yeah. Wait, let's cheers to that. Yes. Yeah, the new bar. We have our the new bar here. Yes. They, yes. they don't really make a good clinking sound. Maybe I'll add Clinky. that in post. Clinky. Yeah, they're yes, a little, exactly. like, they're hollow sounding. But yeah. it, that's because we're on the islands. This is made of coconut, so. Yeah, it's safety first. We're going by the water, so we have to have plastic glasses. Exactly. Hi everyone, welcome to See Jurassic Right, Minnesota edition, but I put Minnesota in quotes because this week it's action-packed, or this month I should say, because these are monthly. Anyway, it's Stephen Ray Morris, we're back. I did not think, I was surprised at how busy Jurassic June was this year, considering we're in an off year, you know, Jurassic World 3 is not coming out until 2021. But honestly, July July was even more packed with tons of awesome Jurassic stuff. Uh, I mean, the new ride finally opened. Uh, So there'll be a few more uh, future park experts. Well, I'll have to, you know, cross out the part about the ride not being open yet. Uh, We obviously had San Diego Comic-Con with tons of new announcements from Mattel. Uh, Yeah, it was it was an action packed July and yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about it today. So up top, we played a little bit from sort of um, my first reactions, as well as uh, Brennan White, a.k.a. Bonnie Puns, a.k.a. Beeksels, and Chris Bermonte, you know him as a Montioc. The three of us rode the new ride. So much fun. I really genuinely love it. And I'm so thrilled that I got a uh, a pass again, because last summer's summer of riding the Jurassic Park ride until it closed was so much fun. And now I'm excited that so far this summer, I've been able to have a summer with the Jurassic World to ride. So uh, we're going to talk about that some more. But up top, I wanted to give you my like, you know, those were my first reactions right as we got off the ride. Um, And then later in this episode, you're going to hear more of an in-depth breakdown of my thoughts um, of the whole ride and stuff. And then just to sneak peek it, just to tease it a little bit is that when season two starts proper, which I can't believe it's like in a month, ah, um, I better get ready. Um, season two is going to be super rad. Uh, but, uh, and then the first episode is going to be not just about the ride, uh, you know, about the new ride, but it's going to be kind of the journey from the old to the new, um, but if you want to go back and listen to my episode about the original ride, about the first ride, you can go back to season one and listen to that episode. It's really, it's really great. Um, yeah, go check it out. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of ride business up top today and going to be throughout the episode, but it's just, uh, it's just so exciting. So, uh, but before we get into more of my thoughts on the ride and everything like that, um, let's, let's you know, get some announcements out of the way. Uh, again, I wanted to mention that these, that this month's park experts episodes are with, uh, illustrator and author Liz Climo. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Um, and also happy belated birthday to Brennan White, AKA Bonnie Punts, AKA Beeksels. Uh, we got a lot of July birthdays upcoming. Um, and, you know, going into August now, some August birthdays. Oh yeah. Billy Jensen's birthday is today as I'm recording it. So happy birthday, Billy Jensen. Oh, I know so many Leos. Annalise Nelson, Dax Schaefer, a lot of Leos in the house here. 
get it. It's the lion. And I saw the lion king. Anyway. Um, so you had an episode with Liz Climo. We had an episode with Clayton Fury. You know, you know him as the Jurassic Park librarian. Such a great guy. That interview was super fun too. Um, and then also my live episode from Pod X with Drew Ackerman, AKA Dear Scooter from Sleep With Me. The live episode was so much fun. He read my uh, Jurassic fan fiction in front of a live audience. It was such a blast. Go listen to that one if you haven't yet. And, you know, follow uh, follow PodX. Just search PodX. I think the handle now is Hey Podcast Con. So go follow them because uh, I feel like they're going to announce some new stuff for for their uh, podcast festival any day now or any in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that. But I had such a blast uh, doing that this year. So I hope they do it again next year because I would love to be part of it. Um, but right now, we're going to play a little sneak peek with our episode, our Park X. Park. <laughs> we're going to play a little sneak peek of our Park Expert episode for next week with Tom Fishenden, a.k.a. Tom Jurassic. Nobody has anybody even tried to figure out when the Lockwood, like when this falling out happened, when they're I, I keep calling it their breakup. Like, when did this breakup happen? Like. Is that something that they're even going to explore? Like, or are they going to ever refer to it again kind of thing? Mm. I think with that, it definitely would have been before the 93 incident, just because obviously we know that um, Maisie had visited the park. Although, that said, there is absolutely nothing whatsoever saying that there weren't more visitors on the island at the time that um, Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler and Ian Malcolm were there. Yeah. So it could have been that maybe, you know, Lockwood, like, let's just say, for example, Lockwood had been working on different parts of the park to Hammond. It could be that maybe he had been more involved in visualizing phase two of Jurassic Park, which we know um, some of the infrastructure was at least on Nublar. So it could have been that maybe he was showing Maisie that and where he imagined it going in the future. So that you know yeah like you say it's quite a fluid timeline at the moment um and it's interesting because i can't remember i think it was aaron and brad on the bonus episode they did for the um camp cretaceous again going back to it were saying that actually there's a lot of fluidity in terms of the times we can explore so it's a shame in some ways that camp cretaceous is set in like the same weekend as jurassic world or <laughs> whenever it is because there's so much more out there that could be added to and contextualized as well i'm so excited to play the full interview i always have a blast talking to tom so um and our whole conversation was super great it had been a while since we caught up so it was so nice to catch up with him uh, I also wanted to mention, shout out to Murder Squad episode 16, the Jane County Doe crossover episode with The Fall Line. P.S. I talked to Laura from The Fall Line, and that episode's coming out in like a month or so. That's going to be really great. But this episode of Murder Squad is obviously really important because they cover the Jane County Doe. And if you're not familiar with the Murder Squad, Paul Holes, retired detective, and Billy Jensen, crime journalist who I've had on C. Jurassic Right. Um, just really covering really important cases that, you know, that there's some element that still needs to be solved. And there's so much potential in the citizen detective. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go listen. And if you're interested in helping, you can, which is really cool. Uh, it was also a notable episode because I, from, it's a continuation of the first clip that you heard in this mini sode because basically after I went on the ride, I think I ended up going twice that day. Uh, I basically went over to uh, the Exactly Right studio and recorded that episode still wet from the ride. So they mentioned it a little bit in the episode. They have a little conversation. That's We have a little conversation that's pretty fun um, near the end during the weekly distraction part of their uh, podcast. So uh, check that out. 
And the other little announcement up top I wanted to mention was last minisode, I mentioned that there's going to be this awesome Universal Studios Jurassic themed uh, 5K coming in November, uh, November 16th, I believe. Um, and they actually added a 10K. So uh, I switched up to the 10K, my dad and I, uh, but I wanted to mention that in case anyone else was thinking of of running and stuff and we get a little Jurassic group together. That would be really fun. I know some other people are running it, the 5k, but um, I just wanted to get a little bit more out of the run. So I switched up to the 10k, but um, yeah, let's, uh, I'll include a link to the registration. I think there's some spots left. Uh, Hopefully there is, if not, I'm sorry, (laughs) Uh, but let's get into the news. Um, Obviously again, just want to mention briefly up top that the new ride officially opened, uh, it officially opened July. Well, that's a good question. It officially opened July 22nd with a big ceremony. And I was, uh, thank you again, Universal, uh, for, uh, inviting me out to go see the opening ceremony. I really appreciate it. It was such a blast. And I'll talk about that more as well a little bit later. But the, uh, technical rehearsal or soft open was Friday the 5th. And we ended up, Brenna and Chris and I, as well as, uh, Marissa Mortati, you know her um, for all of her makeup stuff and everything, and she takes amazing photos. And her sister Marlena, and also my friends uh, Miles and Alexandria, we all uh, rode the ride. I think it was Sunday, just right before I left to go out of town. I was like, "Oh, the ride just opened, and I have to go out of town." So we, Brenna and I, we managed to squeeze it in, uh, which was great. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the biggest news is the opening of the ride. And again, we'll, I'll dive into it in a little more in a little bit. Uh, and the other big news was, uh, was a lot of all the stuff that came out of Comic-Con. Uh, not only did they have a big announcement for the Mattel toys, the kind of the toys that a lot of us, I think, c- collect. Um, I, I believe the line is like the three and three quarter line. That's like the size of the figures. Obviously, the dinosaurs are varying sizes, but they announced... 17 new species, which is crazy. So I'm looking over at Collect Jurassic. And if you haven't listened to the podcast that Tim and Victoria do together, um, which I've mentioned in previous episodes. So definitely go check that out as well. I'm surfing the web right now, looking at all their websites. Yeah, Collect Jurassic, um, the podcast. Uh, they are always collect Jurassic world, excuse me. Um, <laughs> collect all Jurassic, collect Jurassic park three. Uh, no, their, their podcast is great. Um, and then, so yeah, there just was so much stuff at comic-con this year. Again, to me, the biggest news is not only that there's these, um, that there's these 17 new species. They revealed Crylophosaurus, which is, if you remember from the Antarctic dinosaurs exhibit, it's the, the, it's, it's actually related to the Dilophosaurus, um, this Antarctic dinosaur. And then we also got an Edmontosaurus, which is, uh, another duckbill kind of family dinosaur. And then the Allo, Allo, ooh, Allioramus, which I actually don't know anything about that dinosaur. But yeah, so 17 new species, as well as we're going to get some repaints, we're going to get some new uh, action features and stuff like that. Uh, there's this new Spinosaurus. So if you missed out on getting the original Spinosaurus, they have a new uh, battle damage version that looks really cool. Again, I'll provide a link to all the pictures and everything like that uh, if you want to check it out. But 
um, the 17, I mean, I'm just so addicted to collecting these Mattel, the, the, this, you know, these three and three quarter inch Jurassic dinosaur toys. They're just so much fun. They look great. And they're also very affordable as well too. But yeah, the 17 new species is really exciting. And then we also, the other big part of it, it was that, um, you know, this year was really all about like dino rivals and stuff like that. And next year it's going to be primal attack. So there, so we'll get to see some of the dinosaurs that we liked, like Carnotaurus get a new, get new attack features and stuff like that. So I'll provide links to everything. I mean, what are your favorite, what were your favorite announcements out of this part? I mean, I'm personally excited uh, for a new Carnotaurus. Hopefully it's kind of a new paint scheme or something like that. And then, yeah, the Krylophosaurus and it looks like there's um not a sarcosuchus or something like like because basically they when they unveiled these new toys the mattel uh there was like a mattel panel they basically did silhouettes and so they teased some of the new dinosaurs including some with feathers which is really cool um but yeah they they teased a sarcosuchus which is like a crocodile uh not a dinosaur but just a crocodile um you know, reptile, or it might be related to Dimetrodon, which is not technically a reptile. It's more related to mammals. Anyway, uh, and also they're doing an updated uh, Sinoceratops uh, mold, which I think for for anybody who's been paying uh, close attention to the toys knows that the that originally in Fallen Kingdom it was supposed to be a Pachyrhinosaurus, and at the last minute they changed the model to a Sinoceratops, but that wasn't enough time for Mattel. You know, they'd already signed, sealed, and delivered the toys. So... Again, from these silhouettes and stuff. But I got all this from Jurassic Outpost, as well as collecting Jurassic World and Collect Jurassic. So I'll include links so you can really get more in depth. And we've been talking about it in the group and stuff. See Jurassic Right Podcast Facebook group. So, uh, but uh, yeah, what were your favorites for, uh, out of this selection? Because the other big news was the announcement of uh, a new line called the Jurassic World Amber Collection, which these are six inch figures. So think of the Black Series uh in star wars so these are much more detailed and articulated and stuff like that they announced uh they announced this like last comic-con but then they kind of didn't do any updates or anything and then now they updated it and so we're gonna get a an original um jurassic park velociraptor along with ian malcolm and then eventually we'll get owen in blue this line is going to be a lot more limited and it's going to be available exclusively at gamestop so uh, if you still have a GameStop in your city, good luck. <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of GameStops still around, right? Uh, but this this Amber Collection looks really cool. I don't know if I will be indulging in it. The price point, I don't see a price point anywhere. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at, oh, here, pre-order now. Let's see. Oh, here we go. All right. All right. Thank you, uh, Jurassic Outpost. Um, so, yeah, you can pre-order these all now at GameStop. I'll include a link to this, actually. Uh, yeah, you can get basically Malcolm for 25 and the Raptor for 30 So, it's not bad, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you, I kind of have to pick something. to. I mean, I don't have to. But I think for me personally, I'm enjoying the the OG Mattel line so much. Part of me is like, do I want to indulge in this? Or am I just going to get them and they're going to stay in the box and in a closet somewhere? So I don't know. Let me know who's 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 upgrading to the Amber collection. Who's going to stick with the three and three quarters? I might just buy them because they look cool and maybe I'll find a different place in my apartment or somewhere on a shelf to put them. Uh, but I do really love the cohesiveness of the Mattel line so far. So I might not indulge. I don't know. I'm on the fence right now. I'm, I'm on the fence right now. So uh, let me know what you're thinking. Um, so that, that to me was kind of the biggest news as far as Comic-Con toys. But um, 
some other big stuff with the toys. Uh, we're all wanting this god dang Brachiosaurus. And Collect Jurassic actually put out a little update today as of this recording. So I'm glad I waited um, because the pre-order, not the pre-order, but the page popped up at Target because the Brachiosaurus, this beautiful Brachiosaurus figure is only going to be available at Target um, because it's part of the Jurassic Legacy line. And, you know, everyone is worried there's going to be a repeat of what happened with the Spinosaurus, where, I mean, I still don't have one. And I would love a Spinosaurus, um, the OG one, because it looks like the colors from Jurassic Park 3. Uh, but yeah, so this Brachiosaurus, um, the the target page popped up. So everyone was, I like kind of was like, oh God, I have to keep refreshing in case I miss it or something like that. But realistically, according to Collect Jurassic's sources, it looks like the kind of street date for it is October 6th, but most likely the the Brachiosaur will kind of pop up earlier because with these kind of bigger retail stores, it's just kind of smash and grab, just however it shakes out with how uh, proactive the employees are at that target, I guess, or the manager. <laughs> so, um, but don't worry if you follow on social, I'll definitely be retweeting and, and mentioning and shouting out when this thing starts hitting the streets, because I think we all want to get our hands on one or two or three, possibly. I definitely want to have two as like little guard dogs that guard the outside of my apartment. Is that too much? Maybe. I already have a Jurassic Park welcome mat, so I might as well go full full Jurassic on that one. So that's really exciting. And uh, I, the other kind of, there's a couple other pieces of news. Um, Stern Pinball, um, I'm excited to say, uh, is having new Jurassic Park pinball machines along with the Lost World arcade game. I the like one of the, I can't remember what the actual unit like i don't know what the company was or anything like that but like the jurassic park there was a jurassic park pinball machine i remember from my childhood as well too and i love pinball um past guest heather mason is on a uh is in a pinball league here in la and i keep I, like i really want to join because i love pinball it's one of when i'm in an arcade i always try to make time to play some pinball and Stern Pinball, I'm going by this little announcement via JurassicParkPodcast.com that there's like three different models. So it's like, if you haven't been in the pinball machine game in a long time, I didn't realize like how, I don't know, just like how many different models. And so, but what's really cool, it's like one of them has like a whole Spinosaurus versus Rexy versus Rexy. Look, I can't tell which T-Rex it is right now from this picture, but, uh, and there's like a Raptor one and the Dilophosaurus variant and like some have more features and stuff like that. So I don't know, um, when they're going to start showing up in arcades and stuff, but I'll include a link to this cause you can see some video and some nice photos and stuff. So shout out to, uh, Brad, um, and the Jurassic Park podcast for giving us the full lowdown of the Jurassic pinball because I'm in the mood to play some pinball right now. Actually, <laughs> I'm like, where can I go? What's the closest place to play pinball? Um, and then, ooh, let's see, should I do this? You know, what, let's just get the bad news out of the way. Uh, Battle of Big Rock, which I've mentioned here, or there across the minisodes, uh, was supposed to be, well, it's already the cats on the back for that one, was supposed to play in front of Hobbs and Shaw, the, the latest, like, Fast and the, it's the first Fast and the Furious spinoff movie, but, you know, probably six months ago or somewhere in the beginning of the year, we got word of a Jurassic Park themed or Jurassic World short that was going to play in front of Hobbs and Shaw. We also got the Mattel toys, the the 
Allosaurus and then a Pseudoceratops um, saying, you know, coming this summer in Battle of Big Rock. And um, according to the Jurassic Park podcast, and now that, you know, Hobbs and Shaw is basically starting to play today, I believe, uh, there's no short. So whatever happened with it, we don't know. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll be in some future thing. But it just seems so strange that they made toys. They did this whole th- hype. I mean, there was never an official press release. So I find it fascinating. It's just like, it's just, you know, toys take such a long time to make. So Mattel was already pumping out this stuff. And it's like, by the time Universal was like, maybe let's just release it as a Blu-ray or on a digital streaming thing or something. You know, it's just, it's just very strange that there was these toys this summer, which I will actually talk about a little bit later when we go, when we get into my adventures section of this month. Uh, But yeah, it's very disappointing. Uh, that we did not get the Battle of Big Rock in front of Hobbs and Shaw, but who knows? Maybe it'll, maybe it'll, maybe it's too big to be a short in front of, in front of a film. Maybe it'll be longer. Maybe it'll be like twenty or thirty minutes. Who knows? Um, speaking of more Jurassic, this this is the last article for the news this week that I wanted to talk about. And it actually, uh, part of this interview happened, I guess, while I was uh, snarfing down drinks um, at the Jurassic World ride ceremony that I attended. Uh, a couple weeks ago, but according to Deadline, uh, it's actually a fun article because con- it kind of paraphrases some of the stuff that he said at the because Colin Trevorrow was there and he spoke about the ride and about his experience with Jurassic. Um, but really, the most important thing was let's see, you know, he said obviously people obviously asked about the rumors that original stars Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern and Sam Neill will return and Trevor just says I can confirm whoops, my papers hit the mic. Um <laughs> he says I my you know, will they return? He's like, I can confirm nothing, but nothing would make me happier than be able to work with any of those people. Come on, Colin, just spill the beans. Um and then also saying that that Jurassic World 3 is going to be a celebration of everything that has existed in the franchise up until now. So, um, which is, you know, kind of a non, which is, you know, it's non-news. I mean, I, you know, they keep saying that they want, you know, Jurassic Park 6, aka Jurassic World 3, to kind of tie in all the films together. So that makes sense. But the final bit of news in this article that I want to tie into my question for this month for everybody is... Uh, they ask, will this be the final film of the Jurassic World series? And Trevorrow is non-committal. I'm kind of a one movie, a w- w- I'm, I'm kind of a one movie at a time kind of guy. So my eyes are in this one. So I find this very interesting. And I talked to Clayton briefly and he, he didn't give a, a certain confirmed answer, but I believe this is the first time we're hearing about uh, more Jurassic movies post Jurassic World 3. I don't believe anybody's talked about the franchise beyond this, the end of this trilogy. And so, you know, I'll ask it later in the episode, but just wanted to tease it out here now. If, if we're going to make more Jurassic movies post Jurassic World 3, what kind of movie would you want? I don't know why I'm holding for dramatic pause. I'm just literally like, what kind of dress movie do I want? Strokes the chin. Um, so, but I mean, I, yeah. So this Variety article, I think I said deadline. I meant Variety. Uh, but I'll include a link to that as well for you to read. But I think that's very interesting because, again, I think 
for a lot of us, we've been so happy to just have these new Jurassic movies. I don't really, and you know, we live in the age of the spinoffs and stuff, even though kind of Star Wars has put the kibosh on their, uh, you know, spinoff movies. Um, you know, I think we've talked about spinoffs and things like that, but, uh, Post Jurassic World 3, I don't think there's been any really meaningful conversation about what that would look like. Or at least, like, I feel like as a whole, as far as the news goes and stuff, that has allowed us to talk about it. So I know that's kind of, you know, thinking so far ahead. But I mean, considering also Star Wars is taking a three year break from cinemas after Rise of the Skywalker. So, Rise of Skywalker, I can never remember the title of the movie, of uh, <laughs> the ninth Star Wars movie, or the ninth Skywalker saga movie. Uh, <laughs> So um, just teasing that question out um, a little bit. And then, yeah, so that's the news. Uh, if, let me know if there's anything I missed. Again, I, I kind of just do the news based on things that interest me the most. There was some interesting dinosaur news, too, uh, about uh, uh, someone who found a triceratops skull in, like, South Dakota. Um, but this episode is is going to be so packed with all your answers and everything like that. I kind of just wanted to squeeze the most important things to me in here, but let me know if there's things I missed or, you know, general topics. I mean, obviously Jurassic World Evolution is still going and, you know, there's some new Lego sets that are going to hit the ground pretty soon. Uh, so yeah, so just let me know um, if there's any other big Jurassic news you'd want me to talk about. Um, But for now, let's take a little break and come back and I can tell you about all my adventures, including riding the new Jurassic World ride. All right, and we're back. Okay. This is mostly going to be talking about Jurassic World, the ride. It just opened. It's so exciting. I've been probably... (laughs) honestly don't know because I've been doing a lot of like sneak out for a half an hour to go ride the ride kind of stuff uh, because I live relatively close to the park so and having the platinum pass just allows you to you know free parking and all that stuff and again it just I just wanted it to be this place that I could go during the summer to get away for a bit just from working so much and everything it it's just really nice to have something easy access to go to and just kind of check out. So I'm very thankful. Um, I have, I was able to do that and that Brennan and I could do that together. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I mean, so the first time we wrote it again, I, as you heard up top, um, uh, Brenna and Chris and I, we got here and we basically ran down to the bottom uh, you know, if you're if you're not familiar with Universal Studios, the Jurassic ride is down at the bottom with the Mummy and Transformers, and it's just it because it had just opened or it wasn't like officially opened. It was just like and asking people it was like some people were like, oh, it's closed all day or it's closed for hours. So we just were like, we have no idea. We we're seeing reports of like two hour long waits, four hour long waits. So we just ran down there, and luckily. They, the ride was still not open yet. So there was only a few handful of people lined up waiting to even get in the ride. And so we just kind of lucked out in that sense. And so we were able to get on the ride in like 20 minutes, um, which I mean, honestly, you know, that leaves no time for Medela Challenge. That leaves no time for the, um, leaves no time for all the new line content. And, I mean, it's wild. The, the, the line content is honestly probably 
probably where they spent most of their money because they got Chris Pratt, they got Bryce Dallas Howard and B.D. Wong to come back as well as a whole host of other characters. There's a there's a, a news anchor person. There's a couple other different interviewers. There's a David Harbour-esque looking handsome daddy guy who's like now the head of security. I guess maybe this is like before Hoskins gets hired. I don't know. I don't know if that's the same. Because, yeah, like Hoskins, I think, is like head of yeah, he's head of security or is he part of InGen's head of security? So it's like a little bit fuzzy, but uh, and they recreated sets from Jurassic World and they have a new like night mural of the main street. And so that's the biggest difference, I think, as far as like story wise. Again, I don't think any of of the Jurassic ride is canon. Um, it wasn't canon before either, because in the original ride, Richard Attenborough talks about Universal Studios Hollywood like it's a new Jurassic Park um, and says, you know, he wants you to forget about the first island or whatever, or the first Jurassic Park. But still, the amount of detail and stuff to go into the line rides, I think there was almost like an there's like an over an hour's worth of content. And it's not just interviews with Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. There's dinosaur profiles, including the Dilophosaurus and the star of the new ride, uh, Marine Reptile Mosasaur, um, in interviews with B.D. Wong and stuff about DNA and Amber and things like that. I honestly haven't seen all of it either because uh, just I, I haven't basically I basically like when I've gone on the ride so far, it's either been at night or it's been certain circumstances where I'm just or like single rider doing a lot of single rider stuff. So I actually haven't sat and watched all the um, video content soon. But if any, I mean, if, if people are interested in, in an episode where I kind of go through all that content, um, you know, and stuff, let me know. But uh, I feel like there's just so much left to discover on at least that part of the ride. And in the previous mini, I talked about, you know, checking out the new main, main street, <laughs> checking out the whole new Jurassic area with the new bar, which is delicious, and the restaurant, which I think the food is a definite upgrade. I think post Harry Potter, post um, Disneyland, you know, upgrades and stuff, stepping up their game. I think theme parks really are trying to make their food a lot better. So um, really like the Jurassic Cafe's offerings now. And uh, got to see Juliet, the Triceratops, which it's like two people in a Triceratops thing. And the raptor encounter is pretty much the same, but I think the the locate you know they've kind of recreated this space where um the raptors burst out of um before the motorcycle scene in jurassic world so that whole area just feels so much more immersive and then we even on the day of the release we got to play with tango a little bit which is so funny shout out to sarah Iyer from the percast who has a cat named tango but there is a baby raptor a fifth member of the raptor squad probably um tango and it's like this little life-size puppet and it's just so realistic. You're just like, this is real. And it's one of my, if, if I'm going to address any criticisms that people have of the ride or of the land and everything like that, I know some people like the nostalgia of the original Jurassic Park. Believe me, I do too. Um, but I was talking with a few people and Universal has never done a revamp of a ride. Whenever they're ready to move on, they just tear it down. You tear down E.T. for The Mummy. You tear down Backdraft for Transformers. You tear down uh, Back to the Future for Simpsons. Jurassic Park's the only ride where they've revamped it. And if anything, I'm thankful that we still get to have a Jurassic ride. It still gets to have the spirit in the heart of the ride um, of the originals. So... And I think once you're there, I, I think the little nitpicks and stuff that you're watching on YouTube videos and stuff, I don't think that it 
matters. Now, I'm not saying the new ride's perfect. Uh, and believe me, there's still things that leave a lot to be desired because, of course, we're hungry and we want it to be perfect. But um, as an experience, it's still it's just one that I the moment I take the escalators down or the stairs if I'm feeling like exercising, uh, down into that area, it, it's like I'm transported. And that I mean, it's just it's for, for that enough that it's I'm so glad it's a place that I get to hang out all the time now or I made it so that I get to hang out there because it's just it's just such a if I can squeeze in in between work a trip to Universal I will do it so that was really kind of my first impressions of the ride in terms of I I, I think the again it's a little bit of column A it's a little bit of column B there's more animatronics there's animatronics that you love uh, you know yes it's Jurassic World branding Yes, there's some screen stuff with the Mosasaur. Um, you know, some stuff isn't new. Some stuff is kind of just kept the same as before. All this stuff, uh, you know, it's so it's it's mixed in that sense where it's not a full upgrade, but it's not a total, um, you know, they left the stuff you love too. I'm trying to figure it uh trying to figure out the best way to say that and stuff but let's just that'll be the non-spoiler part and then i will mention when i get into some spoiler observations which i will get into because uh you know i wrote read the rode the ride read the road um <laughs> i <laughs> i read the well why can't i um look it's 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 the part of the afternoon where where all talking ceases to make sense but no i rode the ride uh twice and then I, Brennan and I went to Oregon for almost a week and a half and we got into some Jurassic adventures there too. So obviously one of the cool things or one of the things I didn't really think about as far as, because again, I don't really consider, I, I'm a collector, but I don't consider myself a pro. I definitely think I am more of a creature of, I'm going to collect things, but I'm not going to break the bank and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to really go out of my way to find things. You know, I, I just want to, I'm just hoping I find things at my local, my local target and stuff like that. So, but the thing I keep forgetting about road trips is that you're, you get to drive, uh, you get to drive. No, uh, <laughs> you're going to be passing through cities with other targets and other establishments where maybe the toy setup is different, where maybe they get different stock and different things like that. So, that was a thing that Brenda and I kind of made our mission is we, we didn't stop too much, but we definitely made an effort. We definitely made an effort to go to a few places just to see what it was like, because I feel like the targets in LA, although as of today, as of today's recording, I believe that there's a refresh of the displays at target, but uh, for the last few months, my targets have been dead. You know, I basically had had everything I wanted and, and then there was stuff there that I was, I was never going to get. So, um, I basically was kind of not really getting Jurassic toys because there wasn't really anything I needed anymore. Uh, so then, yeah, going up on this road trip, it was just like a whole new world. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Brennan and I went to a Walmart and speaking of Battle of Big Rock, uh, I got an Allosaurus and an Isudoceratops, which I was so cool. The, the Allosaurus is such a funky looking freak of a figure. It, it, the little backstory. So in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, supposedly, 
There's kind of a back and forth, but basically the Allosaurus that you see on screen in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is a juvenile Allosaurus, and the Allosaurus in Battle of Big Rock is supposed to be an adult. So they're just kind of based on rumors and stuff between, you know, Outpost and 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 Collect Jurassic and Jurassic Park Podcast and everybody, the, just the conversation in the community, um, just talking about this new Allosaurus design of this toy looks different, maybe, but like an older version. I, I almost want to say, you know, again, I don't know anything about Battle of Big Rock, but this idea that maybe the Allosaurus that this toy that, you know, that we might see in this movie, if it ever comes out is maybe not made by Dr. Henry Wu. So it doesn't share the same DNA as, as the dinosaurs that we've seen before. So maybe that's why it looks a little bit more beefy and uh, big headed and stuff, but I still like the colors. I, I like the, ac- the action features and stuff. So, but the Nasuda Ceratops on the other hand is one of the most gorgeous metal figures. They've put out these beautiful teals and reds. Um, and it's a Ceratopsian, but it's got very much like bull horns on it that look really cool. Uh, and also the Walmarts had the battle damage Albertosaurus, which is a really cool, gnarly looking like frilled, not frilled, but like, pebbly spiky skin predator from Canada, <laughs> Alberta, Canada. Um, and so I got two because I, because I'm at that point now where again, I'm not calling myself a pro collector, but if there's a toy that I really like, then really, really like that. I want to open, I will keep one in the package and one I'll open. So that's that. Um, what else did I get? Um, oh, there was a, a Musasaurus, which is like a little, they're like a tiny sauropod. So they're like a long boy, but uh, a long neck boy, but um, just tinier. They're really cute. And then um, there's also the orange Raptor from like way in the original toy line, the original releases of the Mattel toys. I found another one. So I wanted to get one of those because I went to, not only did we go to Walmart and Target, but I went to a Fred Meyer which is not in California as far as I know. So I checked out that it was just like a bizarro world. Like it's like a target, but with more like fishing and outdoor supplies, at least in my mind, that's how it looked like to me. But um, so those were kind of my, as you know, I've tried to share my hauls and stuff too as well. So that was kind of my hauls for this month. Uh, and then the other kind of, Oh, Oh, well, so in Oregon, there was apparently in sisters, Oregon, where my mom lives, there is the largest quilt show in the world. And at this, so all the whole town shuts down, all the shops have quilts, you know, that people make these beautiful, expensive quilts, very intricate. Um, and a lot of times, depending on the business, the quilts will kind of, excuse me, they'll kind of look like you know, oh, it's a coffee shop. So it's coffee themed quilts or whatever. But there was like a gem and fossil shop. So of course they had to have a dinosaur quilt. And I posted pictures on social to share that. But um, I was just like, ah, dinosaur quilt. It was super cool. So uh, that was kind of the big (laughs) dinosaur thing in Oregon. Um, I did a lot of fun toy photography as well um, at an observatory and uh, a D-Ride observatory. That's what it was. And then also when we went kayaking, I took Blue with me. So if you want to check out my... Uh, I'm pointing as if you can see that. Um, if you want to see more of my toy photography, you can just go to the Sea Jurassic Right Instagram uh, to check that out. And then, yeah, on the way back down, I also picked up... Or no, well, while we were in Oregon, I should say, because um, Brennan's a big thrifter, um, I got a bunch of, like kind of, I like 
I have most of Michael Crichton's books, but I kind of like finding like fun early editions or they have these like big comp fat compilations. Like Brenna has one too, where it's just like Congo sphere, you know, in, and Andromeda strain in one book. So I got one of those and then I got a next, which I've never read, which apparently has an Easter egg to, to Jurassic park in it. Or maybe it's micro that has the Jurassic park reference. Anyway, so I got some more Michael Crichton reads. I mean, I've read most of the ones that I ended up getting, but I always do for a reread. Uh, so yeah, that was my Oregon adventure. So then, as cor- of course, when we race back down, um, have to keep going back to the ride again. And that is when uh, we attended the Jurassic World ride opening ceremony on the 22nd, which was super cool. Uh, they, you know, drinks, hors d'oeuvres, and they basically had the whole ride open at night for press and podcasters and people and, you know, members of the community to try out the ride. And uh, we got to see because uh, um, Bryce Ellis Howard and Chris Pratt attended um, as well as Colin Trevorrow and Colin Trevorrow made some opening remarks and everything. And they set off fireworks and stuff. And I was so glad that they did that because to me, just the lore of real life lore history, I guess real life lore is history. Hmm. Uh, the, the history of knowing when the original ride opened in 96 and Jeff Goldblum was in attendance and, and Lex and Tim, Joseph Mazzello and Arena Richards and how Steven Spielberg rode the ride up to the top, but then got off right before the drop. Cause I think he was like afraid of getting wet or something like that. But so to me, the story of the, the opening of the original ride felt so apocryphal. It was like, I was, it felt so surreal and so special to be able to attend the opening of the new ride, um, that was really cool. And yeah, Colin Trevorrow's opening remarks were really beautiful and thoughtful and I recorded them. So maybe I'll play a little snippet right here. I just want to talk for a second about uh, two people who can't be with us here today uh, for different reasons. The first is Michael Crichton. Um, The idea of a biological preserve full of dinosaurs is one of the most thrilling concepts in the history of fiction. Uh, And it is because of his commitment to the science of this story, uh, to making it feel plausible, uh, that it became such a phenomenon. We are discovering more dinosaurs today than ever before. There are about 50 new species discovered every year. uh, And that's because the kids who saw Jurassic Park grew up and became paleontologists. Uh, And that's a legacy that goes beyond storytelling. Uh, It it also took a truly legendary filmmaker uh, to bring it to the screen. Uh, to the screen. Uh, Steven Spielberg is the reason why we are all here. Um, it was very touching. And yeah, so then it was like, well, okay, now we can all go ride the ride. And it was so fun. And I hung out with Chris Pugh from Jurassic Outpost. Neema Neems, I finally got to meet him, who's the movie poster guy, which all of you should be following. I'm sure all of you follow him already. Uh, we all hung out and... Um, you know, rode the ride and stuff like that. And I met Jurassic Jen for the first time. It was so great to meet her. Uh, and then I ran into uh, Devin and Chelsea, who you know, uh, they were the couple that rode the ride a record number of times, 62, I believe. And then they got engaged uh, on the ride or while in the process of doing the ride. So um, it was, and I got to ride and, and Brennan and I rode the ride with them. And so that felt really special to, to be able to ride the ride with them. Uh, you know, after they rode the original one 62 times in one day. So that was really cool. Uh, but yeah, it was, that was such a super fun event 
to and it and this will go into my spoiler thoughts. So now, if you, if you want to, I don't know. I don't know if people care about spoiling a ride. I guess, I mean, I did. I guess I, I tried not to watch too many videos before I read the ride. So if you care about spoilers, I'm going to go into it a little bit now, more in-depth thoughts about um, just a little nitpicky stuff or whatever. But um, talking about the premiere and the, or the ride opening ceremony, I think the ride is just so, so, so good at night. And I think the new, the new upgrades, I think, really lend itself to that. Uh, you know, as far as upgrades go, the Mosasaur tank, the uh, the Predator Cove, and then once you go into the Tyrannosaur Kingdom at the very end, up in the actual inside part, um, I think I describe the inside ending part of the ride now. When you go up and in, and then you do the drop, that truly is truly is Splash Mountain, but the nightmare version of it. Um, but the Mosasaur tank, which is the big, the big, big screen thing, I honestly think I'm getting more and more impressed every time I go through it. But I also think, as I think other people have mentioned, it kind of feels like just such like a hodgepodge patched together, excuse me, kind of experience. And so that I think having it at night, I think really kind of smooths it all over. I think the more it's so evocative when this giant Mosasaur appears in front of you and, you know, breaks the glass and everything like that. I think having that at night just feels a little bit spookier, a little bit tense, and you just don't see the seams as much. I would say to frame your mind that that half the ride is basically the same. I think you have to come in with that frame of mind, um, which in some ways I'm glad I didn't really realize going on the ride because I think that helped... Um, that just helped me not be as disappointed, I guess. Because, yeah, for some people it is disappointing. Uh but I, I'm glad we still have the Stegosaurus. I'm glad that, I mean, honestly, the Parasaurolophus is new to me because I would say the Parasaurolophus, I think, was already taken out by the time I got my pass last year when I was riding the original ride till the end. So I think that's the part that is less sad about this ride is that all the dinosaurs look, all the animatronics look and, and feel great. So I'm, so I'm very happy about that. Predator Cove is dope. I, I almost wish that there was another Indominus where they have the Indominus cave. Like they just have the hole where it's breaking out. I mean, I also think too, as far as pacing goes, I think the original ride, I mean, was, was half empty, you know, it was just kind of that, of that sort of atmosphere. And so I think, again, having it at night really helps because now when you have this empty cage at night, it's like, oh, my gosh, where is it? It could be anywhere. So then when it finally does pop out, you're like, whoa, it's so cool. Um, I agree with everybody that the plastic pteranodons are kind of an embarrassment, uh, but maybe there'll be something there later. Uh, I mean, honestly, though, most people you honestly, you won't even really notice the the, the party city bloody pteranodons uh, when you go through the ride in Predator Cove the first couple times. So don't even worry about it. I mean, really the meat of the ride, as much as as cool as the Mosasaur is, I almost think that the Mosasaur part of the ride is really a proof of concept for future attractions. Whereas the Predator Cove, or sorry, the, the Tyrannosaurus Kingdom, when you go up into the building, I think really that is really the true achievement of the ride. I think having having you know your dilophosaurus and this new blue animatronic and then the indominus and the t-rex having you go into this this indoor environment with a jungle and everything it just feels so jurassic park it feels like you're you know even though it's not the same scenario it feels like you're on the road 
at night during the T-Rex breakout in the original Jurassic. It just really captures that feeling of, of the hot, wet night uh, that is... Um, that is the you know the T-Rex breakout scene and i think the the Tyrannosaurus Kingdom part the ending part of the peak of the Jurassic World ride i think really captures that well and i think that's the part that is that is so much fun every time doesn't get old i'm not disappointed at all is perfect um maybe would i want to see some indominus arms more of the indominus uh, animatronic at the end sure but uh the new the new T-Rex upgrade animatronic looks really great. So or at least the new skin they gave it. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of my nuts and bolts kind of milling over the last couple of weeks uh, uh, review. Sorry, I'm just writing a note down, uh, you know, while I'm talking before I forget it. Uh, but uh, yeah, those are that's yeah, that's basically just kind of my stream of conscious. Uh, review of the ride uh, as it stands right now. I'm so glad I've actually had the opportunity to ride it a handful of more times uh, before recording this mini-sode. We went for Brenna's birthday the other day and saw the new Dark Art show and everything like that too, so that was cool. Um, But yeah, I mean those, but I think it's going to keep evolving and they keep you know, there's, there's rumors floating around that they're still not done with the ride in that sense. Little tweaks here and there. Um, but I can neither confirm nor deny any of that stuff. It's just things that I've read. Uh, but yeah, that's basically my thoughts on the ride. I Again, as I said up top, it's a little column A, a little column B. Um, uh, but ultimately, when Universal is constantly destroying your, nost- <laughs> destroying your nostalgia and replacing it with minions, I think the fact that we're still going to have a Jurassic ride for years to come is really the best is really not the best we could hope for, but I think, I, I think it's it's for Universal. I think this is a test. I think, you know, we are a nostalgia generation. We're a nostalgic generation, and I think Universal is maybe being like, hey, maybe we don't have to completely tear down a ride that people love. Maybe we can just incorporate elements from its reboot or from its sequel. Um, surprise, Tom Cruise wasn't added to the Mummy. Just kidding, uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, so I think for Universal, this is a test. I know, you know, I actually just realized the only thing that sort of gets revamped all the time is the studio tour, but I think to the level that the Jurassic World, Jurassic Park ride was revamped, I think that's really for them a proof of concept. And I'm just glad that we're not going to get like, um, what's a what's a DreamWorks animated property? I don't know. We're getting like a Trolls water coaster or something like that. Actually, the Trolls TV show is not bad. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think the Jurassic World ride is great. I'm so happy for it. I'm so happy to keep riding it, uh, you know, for the next year while I have my pass again. So um, but before we go into a break and then we get into all your questions this month. Cause I asked a lot of questions and people had a lot of great, amazing responses. I wanted to read a little ride experience message from Liz Rose one thirty seven on, on uh, Instagram. So she, cause you know, on Instagram you can tag people and then they'll see the story and stuff. So I saw that she had, I bumped the mic again. So I saw that she had gone on the ride. So I was like, Oh, what'd you think? Cause this was right when it, you know, right in those first couple of days. And so I, she said, I absolutely loved it. 
That wasn't water dripping off my face. It was tears of joy. I wrote it right before the renovations. It was fun, but what they've updated since was super cool and still the same nostalgia feel. Single Rider was a godsend. Hell yeah. We got super soaked and thank Odin for the new teepee, teepee bar, the new tiki bar. And second time on today, the ride actually broke down and I got to walk through the Indominus Rex paddock, uh, shocked emoji, shrug, sideways laugh, T-Rex emoji. So all in all, 10 out of 10 stars. So then I was like, whoa, 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 you got to walk through the Indominus paddock? What's going on here? So I asked her for clarification. So she responded, I got to walk around in the Indominus Rex paddock just past the greenery. Oh, so the T-Rex kingdom. Oh, no, no, wait, just the Indominus Rex paddock. Oh, so it's the thing at the bottom. So I didn't, I didn't get that the first time I read this. I got to walk around the Indominus Rex paddock. Uh, just past the greenery you see up front. That's where our boat got stuck. Then we were led all the way around the and back down a side driveway and then back to the line area. There were apparently two cars ahead of us that got stuck in Predator Cove. Um, they were either going down or about to go down the waterfall. Oh, I get it. So she was right, right where the ride is about to go up. And then some people got stuck in the actual Tyrannosaurus kingdom. Um, Oh, and then inside story. Okay, so that's still crazy. I mean, the fact that you got to walk. Ugh, I would love nothing but to be able to walk through that ride. I think it would be so cool to just examine all the little details and everything like that. Um, she says, inside story, I think it was one of those two cars ahead that had two little girls riding in them who has to cut ahead in the single rider line. They were part of a camp group that were leaving soon and they were desperately trying to squeeze one more ride in. From the moment when they cut forward until we were all rescued off the ride, about an hour had passed. I hope they made their bus. Wow. Uh, thanks again, Liz, for letting me tell this story on the pod. Wow. Yeah. I would love nothing more than to walk through the ride. Just again, just to get up close to the Raptor paddock to, you know, to examine everything. Um, and even the Mosasaur part that the, I, it, I read, I don't even know where I read it, but, or, or just hearing people talk about, it. I guess I, I, what I met earlier is that I'm more impressed the more I see the Mosasaur thing. Cause it's just like those screens. I don't, it just, they look real. So anyway, if you've ridden the ride, let me know what you think. If you're planning on riding the ride, let me know. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, are you excited for, you know, to try out the new ride? Are you sad that the old Jurassic park gates are gone? Are you excited about that new theme park that universal is doing going to start making in Florida over the next couple of years? I don't, they haven't announced any, what the properties are. So it's not even news at this point, but yeah, so much stuff. Ugh, I'm probably going to go ride the ride after I do this. So, uh, but first let's take a break and then we'll get to your emails and your calls and your responses to all this month's questions, these month's questions. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Back again. This month, <laughs> this month I asked a lot of questions. So I gave my, I, I got my work cut out for me. Um, obviously, the main question this month was hot off the heels of Fallen Kingdom's anniversary. I asked what your favorite, you know, after we talked about Fallen Kingdom and what you thought of it. Um, this month, I wanted to know what your favorite Jurassic Park sequel was and why. But before we get to that, uh, I just randomly, I don't know where this thought came from, but I just wanted to know, and I just asked it in the group against the Jurassic Park podcast. I wanted to know, excuse me, was Muldoon a good boss? I think about that opening scene, you know, loading team, step away. Um, we got tasers on full charge. These are my, that's my Muldoon impression. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to know if he was a good boss or not. Did the, did the workers respect him at the end of the day? Were they, did he drink, did he drink the beer? Cause, uh, Brennan and I were talking about this idea that, Sure, there was the fancy bars, you know, even in Jurassic World, there was Margaritaville, you know, there was the luxury restaurants for the tourists, but there there had to be some hole in the wall, you know, um, shed that was turned into a bar for the real on the ground workers, the construction workers, the the animal handlers, the the meat and potato types who worked at uh, Jurassic Park, you know, did Muldoon drink with them or did he drink with Hammond and the scientists and stuff, the hoity-toity types up at the top? Uh, so anyway, I it was, it's a very dumb question, but it was very funny to me for some reason to ask it. So uh, I asked the the C Jurassic Right Facebook group um, and Tom Fishenden was the first one to answer. And Tom said, I think he was realistic, which is important when you work with creatures like dinosaurs. You have to be grounded and be brutally realistic because it's how you keep people safe. That's fair. Uh, Corey Anderson, uh, who is a member of the Jurassic community, super great guy. Um, he says, anybody with the confidence to wear those shorts has the confidence to be a good leader. I bet he was a great boss. And then <laughs> Glenna says, no such thing. And then she says, to clarify, I don't think there's there's any such thing as a good boss because the boss is always going to be looking out for the employee's best interest, not his employees. Interesting. Uh, also, those workers at the opening were clearly not trained well enough to deal with transferring that raptor from its transport from its transport to the enclosure. He should have ensured everything on. He should have ensured everyone on the scene had been trained competently. And when everyone got spooked before they even opened the door, he just went ahead with the move anyway. And he's just hanging back, giving vague directions until the one dude gets pulled in and is 100% definitely already a goner. I mean, I love Muldoon as a character, but as a labor as a labor organizer and a strong union advocate, there's just no such thing as a good boss. Shrug. Interesting. I might leave that one alone, but Glenna, I really appreciate your insight. And it's that's just so funny where he's just like... Y'all scared? You got to get a dinosaur. I don't know why he's New York now. Um, <laughs> or Boston. I don't know what those accents are. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wonder. I mean, how many raptors had they already transported? Or were these fresh were these fresh faced folks? They don't they didn't seem fresh faced to me. So yeah. Why didn't why wasn't the standard procedure at this point? I guess maybe the raptor was the big one. I don't know. 
Bethany says he was realist about the whole situation and understood the dinosaurs for what they were. He was kicking ass up till the very end. Uh, Dusty says, yes, he showed some respect to the animals, dinosaurs, and to the humans. He knew what was at stake and did his best until his unfortunate end. Had the employees listened to him and shot the raptor in the beginning, do you think he'd still be with us? Oh, uh, Adam says, not as bad as Hammond was. Zing. Um, and then Jess, uh, she says, uh, hey, Jess. Uh, she says, I mean, have you seen his quads? Uh, Andrew says, I'm sure he was one of those hard-ass bosses that none of his coworkers truly appreciated until they were halfway down the gullet of a raptor. Yeah, maybe. That sounds fair. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like Muldoon was well-liked. I, I feel like he was a hard-ass. He was kind of cynical, but I feel like he was, when you got him drunk, he was really fun. Uh, Stephen Wolf, uh, he says he was clearly in charge of the JP dress code. Uh, and then Bethany commented on that saying it's a bold and brave look. And then Steven said, Oh yeah, definitely making a statement. Um, and then, uh, I'm sorry if I don't pronounce your name correctly. Asinta, Asintia says hashtag never forget. And then Heather says, I think to be a truly good boss, he should have learned more about the behaviors of the animals he was in charge of. I know they didn't allow the raptors to actually hunt, so we didn't get to see them in action that way. But clearly there was literature on the subject. To bounce off of what Dusty said, if they had chosen to put down the big one for her aggressiveness and the fact that she began killing some of the others and leading the rest, as sometimes is done with two aggressive animals, he probably would have had a better chance at survival. But I think other than allowing himself to be somewhat ignorant of his charges hunting style, he was probably a tough but fair boss. All right. All right. Um, So that makes sense. I think that's a really great response. I think that really sums it up. Uh, Heather, thank you. Um, And then I also asked Twitter as well, too. We got a couple more responses on Twitter. Uh, One from Vic uh, at Victoria's Cantina. Uh, She says, in the movie, he seemed like a no-nonsense, get-the-job-done sort of guy. He understood the dangers of the job and regarded the safety of his men. He probably wasn't much of a people person, but he was probably effective and ensured things got done. And I like that. Um, And then um, Arjun uh, Boss... Bosch, boss, God, I keep pronouncing your name incorrectly. I'm so sorry. Uh, I think he was used to working alone, which is how we see him most of the time. Not a great boss type. Uh, that's part of why moving the Raptors went wrong. They weren't familiar enough with the techniques, so they the techniques. So and so they didn't check if the lock was really secured. Uh, and then uh, White Tip Gamer says, "I like to think he was, yeah, straight to the point, no messing around type of guy." Um, and then Glenna, who her handle is fuck politeness. Uh, oh wait, is that is that the same Glenna? That's the same Glenna from the dress group. I like no such thing as a good boss. Love that. I do appreciate that response. I actually really kind of. Um, and then Walter at Walter Chestnut the second says no. The whole crew working hard at night, dangerous conditions. Watch their friend die, and all they do is shoot her, shoot her. Meanwhile, uh, when a raptor sneaks attacks, sneak attacks him, he suddenly is clever girl. Bullshit. Uh, at Henry E. Murphy says, yes and no. He, he had the expertise to command respect and was able to convince others to increase security. He cared for his employees more than the animals and had a foresight to distrust to distrust automation. But he didn't respect or understand Nedry, who was given far too much power. Ooh, I like this response. Uh, yeah, the distrusting automation. 
Um, I told you we needed locking mechanisms on the vehicle doors. Um, and then at jumping, at jumping Raptor says, yeah, best ranger in the galaxy. You could also say he was a ranger in danger. <laughs> um, and then at film cultist says, I would like to think he was a good boss. I mean, he did try his hardest to save the employee from being eaten. That's fair. Even by telling his other coworkers to shoot the multimillion dollar dinosaur. Huh. I mean, so many great responses, so many different, so many different, you know, perspectives on this. I really, I, I want to do more questions like this, more, you know, really taking, looking at a single focus or a single character and kind of just narrowing in on what makes them tick. So that was really fun. Thanks everyone for sharing your thoughts on Muldoon as a boss. That's really cool. All right. Well, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm rearranging my papers for this one uh, because I think it's going to be a really fun time. Jurassic Park 3 shared its 18th anniversary. Happy anniversary. Give me all the eggs. I love Jurassic Park 3. I've mentioned before that as of the last year or so, I think it was in my episode with Clayton, that Jurassic Park 3 has become such a fun movie to talk about. I think that the void in the movie, the 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 lack of content, as compared to the other Jurassic movies just means that there's so much more possibility. Um, so to me, Jurassic Park is, is one of the most fun movies. And, you know, I think a lot of people put it as their least favorite Jurassic Park movie. And for many, for, for probably most of the time I will like these movies, it will be my least favorite. But as of right now, it's not my least favorite Jurassic Park movie. So if that says something about Jurassic Park three, I don't, I think that says a lot about it. So, uh, I, uh, to celebrate Jurassic Park 3, I just posted a bunch of fun screen grabs from the movie. Um, and everybody was starting to share their thoughts and opinions about Jurassic Park 3. So I just wanted to share a few of those right now, um, with a more solemn one, uh, from Jurassic Attic. Um, and they say that their spouse was related to Michael Jeter, who played Udesky. And I don't know how much he knew about the film and its rewrites, but I surely wish I had the opportunity to have met him before he sadly passed away. So yeah, R.I.P. Uh, Michael Jeter. Your Udesky character it, it was is actually such a great and underrated character in the Jurassic Park franchise. He's a guy who was getting things done, was maybe a little bit in over his head, but he wasn't a bad guy. He was really sensible and he kind of was just this blue collar dude in the middle of this crazy adventure. I mean, he has some of the best lines in Jurassic Park 3 and, you know, it's just such a good character. And yeah, again, RIP Michael Jeter. And thank you, Jurassic Addict, for sharing for sharing this little tidbit. I appreciate it. Um, and then uh, the next one on Twitter is from the Rose Jackson said, my dad picked me up in front of school in the middle of the day. I was scared because I thought I was something bad happened. But then he took me to Ruby's for lunch. He shooby dooby doobied on down to Ruby's. And then uh, we went to see this movie. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. That's such a nice little that's such a nice little day. Uh, thanks, the Rose Jackson, for sharing that. And then in the Facebook group, we got a couple more thoughts. Um, Stephen Wolf says, I love JP3. The story doesn't take itself too seriously. The characters are much more relatable than in The Lost World. Interesting. Uh, and Alan is so completely done with everything. It's great. Also, the Spino hearts. Um, Caitlin says, I do love the third one. The characters are fairly relatable. Hmm. Uh, and it changed who the heroes are and were. Uh, Eric saves Dr. Grant from the Raptors, which is pretty cool. Also, I would have loved to know what went on behind the scenes when Dr. Sattler decides to call someone about rescuing 
about, you know, about rescuing. And then Mrs. Kirby was put on the side and treated as the crazy mom when she tried to organize a rescue for her child. Interesting. Yeah. So there's that kind of, you know, the dynamic of, of, you know, that treatment towards, Hey, we're these different rescue missions are going on. And like, why is, why is Mrs. Kirby, you know, Taylor why is she treated crazy? Um, then, Oh yeah. Then Dr. Ellie Sattler must have seriously given some FBI agent shit when she told them to go rescue the team. Also the Raptor puppets really improved in this movie and the Spino versus everyone was amazing. Also, I loved it because it was the first PG 13 movie. I was, I was allowed to see in theaters before I was 13 rebellious little child that I was laughing emojis. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Thanks, Caitlin. Uh, and then Andrew says the Allen Raptor is an all time great. And honestly, I feel like the shorter runtime makes it endlessly rewatchable. I, I agree. Um, so then the last little couple comments are coming from the Instagram. Um, see Jurassic World Instagram. Uh, so we dig dinos, uh, from the, we underscore dig underscore dinos account. Uh, the last raptor seen in the plane. This movie confused me so much. Uh, Rockstar Fish. Now that I have the phone jingle in my head, um, do, 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 do. I think I did that right. Um, oh, and then Harlan Quinn of Mars. I'm sad I missed this. Harlan Quinn of Mars commented that uh, a local movie theater was doing an 18th anniversary screening and I didn't go. It was in Southern California as well, too. So I could have, I mean, it was like in the middle of the week, but I, I think for Jurassic Park 3s, I'm just saying this now, I'm just putting it out there, but I would love to one of the local movie theaters here in LA organize a Jurassic Park 3 20th anniversary screening in 2021. I think I want to make that happen. It'd be really fun. And we'll all hand out eggs and we'll all have old cell phones and we'll all dress up as Spinosaurus. It'll be great. Or Trinodons. That'll be fun. Um, Ray Shan says, I saw this in theaters as a nine-year-old and it traumatized me, but I still loved it. Uh, Dasis Joe, I want them to do a crossover film with the ringtone from this movie and the ringtone from The Devil Wears Prada. I haven't seen that movie in such a long time, so I can't, I don't remember what that sounds like right now, but I think we can make it happen. I would love to see, ooh, I was going to say Anna Kendrick. That's not Anna Kendrick. Oh my God, what's her name right now? Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Why don't I search, um, oh my God, why can't I remember any movies that this actor has been in? Not oh Anne Hathaway. What am I? What am I talking about? Anne Hathaway. Anyway, I would love to see Anne Hathaway and Anna Kendrick in Jurassic Park movies. So let's make it happen. Uh, let's see. I, this life in stitches. I have the satellite phone ringtone stuck in my head now. Uh, Adele Kate thirteen. I never knew that the sequel was supposed to be kind of satirish and slapstick. I really loved it. Uh, Mariah Mariah's. Mariah Swagner says, this is the only JP we had on DVD as a kid, so it's the one I watched the most. Three is my favorite. Ooh, we have a three is my favorite. I love it. Um, and fun fact, Jurassic Park 3 was also the first DVD I ever owned. Uh, so there's that. Um, the This underscore co- colorful underscore life, I actually kind of love JP3. I mean, it's nothing compared to the original, but it's a lot of fun in its own way. And get underscore it underscore Deanna says the sequel lost me when they first get to the island they find a dead video camera and one of the guides takes the D batteries out of his flashlight and is all I've got it and suddenly the camera works again camcorders don't run on Duracells I'm sorry preteen me was having none of it this movie has a lot of issues but that one sticks in my mind that is so funny I I definitely noticed that too as a kid who had 
those same kind of camcorders and everything and making little home movies. That's so funny. I totally forgot about that though until right now. Um, and then Yurikai there, uh, Yurik underscore high underscore there with two zeros on either end. This you'll see you'll see everyone's names in this this post on Instagram. Um, I love this movie. It's always fun to watch and has great suspense. I love that it's a bit campy. I do too. It's it. I think it works for the movie. I'm glad that they they were going in that direction and I'm glad they embraced it. Um, and then the last one, which again maybe sums it up the best, from Calio Papery. Uh, it's so awful. I love it. Um, so that's that's JP three. Happy 18th anniversary, JP three. All right, let's move on. Let's move on finally to your question this month. That's me hitting my papers. Let's, uh, I'm super excited. What is your favorite Jurassic Park sequel and why? Um, it's a hard question. I mean, we have five movies right now. We're a year out from the last one. What, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's a tough question because, you know, for so long we only had two to choose from and now we have four to choose from. So, and depending on how you feel about the new trilogy versus the old trilogy, it's, we're kind of like right at the, you know, I mean, because right now there's more of the old movies than the new movies, but, you know, once Jurassic World uh, 3 comes out, you know, that's going to tip the scales a little bit. And for me personally, because Fallen Kingdom is my favorite Jurassic Park sequel. But what happens when Jurassic World 3 comes out like that? It, it doesn't worry me. I mean, I mean, if you don't if you don't like Fallen Kingdom, then it's probably a good thing. But I mean, I love Fallen Kingdom. So the idea that Jurassic World 3 could come out and either be not as good worries me, but then also being better worries me as well, too. But hey, look, I'll always take better over worse. So uh, what was I going to do? Oh, OK. So um, for these, I wanted to read a few emails uh, first. Then I was going to read people's responses from um, from social media and then people left some voicemails. So I'm going to just play those out um, with some music and stuff because I got sent a handful of voicemails. And I love hearing voicemails. I love hearing your voices. So I'll play those out. And then at the very end of the episode, I'm going to do a little, I have a little important um, tribute I want to mention. Um, so yeah, but first, let's get to let's get to the emails. All right. Our first email is from Marissa. I love you, Marissa. You're the best. Uh Again, follow her, follow everyone, follow her makeup stuff on, uh, I wish I had it in front of me. It's grotesque ego. I'm just going to look it up right now. Let's, let's, let's hit off the bat. Grotesque. Yeah. Grotesque egomania. There we go. Follow, follow Marissa. She's the best. Um, she says, Hey Steven, my favorite Jurassic Park sequel is the lost world. Fallen kingdom is a close third. The thing I love most about it is the trailer sequence, the contrast of chaotic energy of Eddie Carr, RIP kisses, finger points to the heaven, saving Malcolm, Sarah, and Nick was with the much slower pacing of the scene inside the trailer. So effective. It's very much a sister scene of the Rexy Explorer sequence just heightened. It's absolutely my favorite part of the movie. And I still get nervous when the glass begins to break under Sarah's hand. However, the end of the movie is always a cringe fest to me because I, Cannot think about how wrong the geography and not San Diego everything is. How did our parental wrecks get from the waterfront to the residential neighborhood to downtown area and back to the ship so easily? 
I'd love to see Sarah be reprised in the series as well. It makes the most sense for her to return along with the original trio plus Tim, because how is he not a dinosaur expert who'd be a valuable asset in a Jurassic World scenario? Any now, any who, any ways, I'm just rambling. Stay sexy and save Rexy, Marissa. Yes, let's bring back Julian Moore. Get Julian Moore to the franchise. Here we go. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Harding. How many Sarahs do you think are on this island? Anyway, thank you, Marissa. Uh, The next email comes from John, favorite JP sequel. He says, so my favorite Jurassic Park sequel has to be The Lost World. It was one of my first movies I went to see with my friends. No parents. It's my favorite, I think, because it had some of my favorite dinosaurs, like my all-time favorite, the Pachycephalosaurus. It also had pteranodons, or was that the later one? At any rate, it was great to see another variety of dinosaurs brought to life. John. Uh, No, the the Lost World had a pteranodon at the end, which actually is my favorite pteranodon design. I don't really care for any of the Pteranodons after the Lost World one, the one at the very end. I love the blue and yellow. I like that hint of blue and yellow. I think it's gorgeous. I think the kind of monstrosity. To, I like the Pteranodon sequence, and speaking of JP3, but I love I think that's one of, that whole sequence is one of the best sequences in the franchise. But as far as the design of the Pteranodons, the Pteranodons in the Lost World are gorgeous. Uh, thank you, John. Ooh, this email. Hmm, I'm getting a weird glitch in the matrix here. <laughs> uh, uh, this one is from Sick Triceratops. Uh, it goes, important email, urgent. Congratulations. Hello, name of account holder. You have been selected to hear the opinion of Sick Triceratops. Do not pass up this fantastic opportunity. The Lost World Jurassic Park is my favorite and best Jurassic sequel because it maintains the same magic of the first film while shifting the tone in a much darker direction. Dinosaurs in Malcolm's world aren't things to marvel at anymore. They're... They are a shadow that follows him through his professional and personal life, and now they are putting the lives of those he loves at risk. The tone of the story perfectly reflects Malcolm's character. Dark, stern, somber, and of course, sexy. I mean, serious. That's what I meant. If Jurassic Park was like taking a tropical vacation to the world's greatest zoo and people sadly died, then Lost World is like getting lost on a nighttime cross-country trek during a thunderstorm and people sadly die. It's really good is what I'm saying, but like good in a different way to the first film. A different hashtag vibe. It's got Spielberg. It's got dinosaurs. It's got Malcolm. And boy, is it sexy. I mean, serious. Serious. I mean, serious. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Thank you for your time. Please respond with your bank account details so I can deposit this small fortune bequeathed to you by a Nigerian prince. Sick Triceratops always taken. Always taken me for a ride whenever he reaches out. Also, I had a great interview with him in a past uh, season one episode about my pen is not working right now. Um, In a past season one episode, uh, I believe it's the my guiding star episode about people making cool Jurassic Park art and content. So anyway, sick triceratops. Thank you for that email. I really hope I don't have a virus right now. That's all I'm, I'm praying for. So the next one is from uh, Mariah, she says, favorite Jurassic Park movie. She says, my favorite Jurassic Park, uh, or, you know, sequel is Jurassic Park 3. The opening stuck out to me the most with the claw marks. I mean, <laughs> I remember buying the movie when it came out. I was younger at the time. My sister and I got toys for a movie. Plus, I always thought Eric Kirby was super cute. But to be really honest, I absolutely love all of them. I'm now subscribing to your Jurassic podcast since I saw your Twitter post. I'm excited to listen to it. Mariah. Well, thank you, Mariah. I... 
I hope that whichever episode you listen to first is good. Um, and I love that you love Jurassic Park 3. And Eric Kirby is very cute. Um, <laughs> uh, this one is from Hannah. At Hannah, she has... This is Hannah who has the at Jurassic World handle in all caps. Hannah's the best. You should follow her on social media. Or at least on her... I don't know any of her other social media. But her her Twitter is fantastic. Um and I've retweeted her a few times into my feeds and stuff, but yeah. Um, she says, The Lost World is a strong contender, but Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom all the way. It's not only beautifully shot, but has so many thematic elements and imagery used throughout it. It embodies so many of Crichton's ideas, dare I say even more than the original Jurassic Park, uh-oh, uh, that run much deeper than just dinosaurs, such as genetic power, technology, and the politics of moral debating. In my opinion, I feel like... That's why it's one of the most disliked Jurassic Park films. I think a lot of people just want to see dinosaur action. And hey, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But to a general audience, especially who might who mightn't who might not have had any context to Crichton books or the Jurassic Park trilogy, you can see that there's a lot of people who might have not understood. That's an interesting, interesting uh point. I mean, compared to Jurassic World, I think Fallen Kingdom it it's definitely trying to pack a lot in for sure. Um, which is why I love it too. Um, there's definitely a lot of flaws in its plot though, storytelling and flow. But I think at the end of the day, it's the most important installment of the saga. It's the first film to not only expand the franchise out into the world, but clarifies to people that Jurassic isn't just dinosaurs. Um, it's the ethical dilemmas of genetic power, and moral debating, highlighting that we live in a society where we're always trying to outrun ourselves with advancements in technology and science. They are the foundations in which Jurassic is built on, and I think it was really important for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom to force audiences to understand that to understand this, whether people are fans or not. You can tell I'm an avid Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom defender, right? Sorry for this essay, Hannah. Um, again, Hannah at Jurassic World. No, I really, I really appreciate uh, the the insight into why you really love it so much, and I think yeah, you kind of capture why I love it too, because I think uh, unfortunately. <sighs> Not unfortunately, but in in an age where the sequel counts and the reboots and the remake counts are getting this high, I think movies are constantly having to sort of just, you know, when you make one movie, you're sort of like, here's my movie. Uh, And then you make another one, you're like, hey, how about another one? But then by the time you're making, you're like, come on, you guys want more, right? And so it's like almost the more movies you make of a franchise, the more it has to sort of justify its own existence, which I think can be kind of topsy-turvy in, in ways. So I appreciate your um, your your thoughtfulness in explaining why Fallen Kingdom is what it is in a, in a way. So, um, and so the last email I'm going to read is from uh, Kirsten. And Kirsten says, my favorite Jurassic Park sequel, I'm going to go with The Lost World. My number one reason is that it's always somehow on television when I'm staying in a hotel. I've been searching all the weird channels I'm not used to. And finally, I want find a badass movie to watch littered with r- red lobster commercials. Also, Julian Moore, correct? Moreover, Julian Moore and Jeff Goldblum as a team flying around with a cranky baby T-Rex in a red sports car. As a kid, I always dreamed how life in the city would be if dinosaurs existed. This sequel bought the, brought the dream to life. The mama T-Rex in the bedroom window is iconic. A few other scenes stick into my head. The glass-cracking velociraptor dance in the medical RV, amazing. Also, the random daughter of Dr. Dr. Malcolm doing Kevin Bacon footloose moves to kick raptors in the jaw. Who is she? I don't know, but I like her. Hope this helps. Kirsten. I love that, Kirsten. Thank you. Uh, hell yeah. Vanessa Lee Chester is where it's at. She owns. And 
honestly, the the uh, the gymnastics scene kicks ass and is one of the most fun things about The Lost World in a movie where, it, you know, if JP3 is camp, then The Lost World is sort of, mm, it's not campy. It's very serious, but it's silly in, in some ways too by maybe being too serious. I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but... Um, or it's like, um, uh, like not exploitation movies, but it's sort of, it's that sort of like B horror kind of, you know, it's the creature features and stuff that Spielberg is referencing King Kong and stuff like that. It's Godzilla, you know, it's got the tone of those movies, which Jurassic Park didn't really have that tone. I think it's sort of this serious over the top tone but it's not campy i don't i don't think of lost world as campy except for that scene which is i wonder if i wonder if lost world is more campy if that scene wouldn't stick out quite so much but i think it holds i think that scene in and of itself is really fun when you rewatch it all right first up in the facebook group we have anastasia she says i actually love fallen kingdom well it broke my heart in pieces uh, hi, tragic Brachiosaurus. I love the gothic fairy tale aesthetic, and I kind of love the Interraptor. One of my favorite scenes was when she was playing dead and just full on messing with the bad guy. Plus, I laughed out loud when one of my uh, when one of my personal favorites, the Mosasaur, Susan. I love that the Mosasaur's named Susan escaped because someone basically left the gate open. I was also really interested to see them finally touch on an issue I've been curious about for years, namely. Where does the research stop? If they have technology to clone dinosaurs, how long was it going to be before someone applied it to humans? It was a very Crichton-esque move, and I approved. I could have used way less Chris Pratt and more Ian Malcolm, but overall, I feel like this is the strongest, most interesting sequel in the franchise. And the next one is from Dusty. Hi, Dusty. Fallen Kingdom, mostly because of the amount of dinosaurs in the movie and the fact that we now essentially have dinosaurs loose in the world at the end of the movie. It, was also one of, so had, it also has some of those beautiful cinematic moments. R.I.P. Pearl the Brachiosaurus. After watching it three times, I love something about that Jurassic Park 3 movie, too. Um, Kristen says, I actually do love Jurassic World because it was the first of the Jurassic movies that I was able to see in the theater on opening night, and I was so excited for it. But I think my favorite sequel has to be The Lost World. I know it gets a lot of crap, and it's pretty cheesy, but I love cheesy movies. The gymnastics kick that knocks out the raptor at the best, and the scene where they get stuck in the trailer that's falling over the cliff is so good. I get nervous every single time I see it, even though I know it's going to happen. It's so tense, and there's a moment of humor where they, like, give their McDonald's orders to Eddie. Ha <laughs> I think it's just a really fun movie to watch and it has the nostalgia factor as well. Uh, and then Sabine, hi Sabine, uh, says, honestly, I think it came out at the perfect time for me. So JP three is my favorite sequel. I know it's everyone's least fave, but there's just something about the ridiculousness of it for me that works so well. You can't say, you can't say that weird satellite phone scene doesn't make you smile. And I love all the actors in it. Tay Leone, William H. Macy. I mean, come on for my birthday last year, I bought myself a, a William architectural drawing of the Velociraptor hatchling room from JP3. Oh, that's cool. I don't I don't know what that drawing is, but that sounds awesome. And made it my or I don't know what a Valum architectural drawing is. And I made my dinosaur loving architect heart happy. In addition, the Jurassic World sequels have just fallen really short for me with their monsterification and dinosaurs as bad guys, so JP3 is my best sequel. Um oh and then Zelma. Um 
comments. She says, oh my god, it was so close for me between The Lost World and JP3. JP3 is always what I put on when I'm having a bad day and I need a pick-me-up. Ooh, I agree about JP3 in that sense. Not The Lost World or any of the Jurassic Worlds and only sometimes the original. I have a huge crush. I had a huge crush on the actor who played Eric forever, much to my shame, but hey, Trevor Morgan, if you see this, call me. And I obsessed with these raptors. And also I think it hit me at just the right time. I was a teenager old enough to remember seeing the movie in theaters and able to see it on my own with my friends. I also say that too. I mean, uh, Zelma that, you know, JP three was, I was 14. It was like, I went to see it. It was the only movie JP three, JP three was the only drastic movie. I didn't see with my family in theaters, um, that I just saw with my best friend at the time. Um, and, I remember the hype leading up to the movie, seeing the movie and obsessing once over I got it on DVD. I'm pretty sure I recorded some of the commercials on VHS. It was bad. Uh, so yeah, definitely not my least favorite sequel, Fist Bumps of JP3 Love. And then Zelma continues uh, with her with her uh, favorite JP comments. Uh, I feel so torn. There are things I love about all of them, but since I'm forcing myself to choose, I'd say The Lost World is my favorite sequel. It introduces us to Isla Sorna and the idea that John Hammond and InGen were less squeaky clean and more unscrupulous than the original than they originally introduced us in the first movie. We get great dinosaur moments, the roundup scene, the Rexes and the trailers, and even the T-Rexes rampaging through San Diego. Maybe not some people's favorite story point, but definitely an awesome creature feature set piece. I agree. Uh, plus we get some great badass women scenes too. I will always argue that the book Sarah Harding can kick movie Sarah. <laughs> I was, I always argue that book Sarah Harding can kick movie Sarah Harding's ass with her hand tied behind her back and possibly an eye patch on, but movie Sarah Harding is still a force to be reckoned with. Well, yeah, book Sarah Harding goes through the ringer, uh, you know, with Dotson and his crew. So understandable, but movie Sarah Harding is still a force to be reckoned with. She definitely manages Malcolm bros out with the rest of the team, tells off all the men who try to contradict her and faces off against T-Rexes and Raptors and Stegosauruses. And I don't hate Kelly's gymnastics scene. It's stupid for sure, but I like that Kelly gets a moment to be a badass and stand up to a Raptor. The score is fantastic with all the percussive drive. That's very true. Which is why the Lost World scene is the score is so good. And it's still Steven Spielberg and John Williams. So of course a plus that's also very true. Uh, so despite my, so despite my love for JP three and my appreciation for the Jurassic worlds, I got to say the first sequel is the best. That was very beautifully said, Zelma. I love I love hearing from you every time. So thank you for taking the time to really break it down. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Um, oh, Clayton Fioriti. Clayton says, I'd probably say Fallen Kingdom right now. Oddly enough, the more criticism that I hear it, the more I find myself enjoying it. Complaints towards the film don't really hurt my perception of it, but oddly enough, it does make me question some of my thoughts on The Lost World. I'm not sure why. Hmm. I think because... Because Lost World and Fallen Kingdom do have some structural similarities, some tonal similarities, I think that they're apt for comparison. Um, I mean, personally, I don't, I don't really like one-to-one comparison breakdowns, but because I think Fallen Kingdom is is very different from Lost World too. But I think that those, I think that there's, I don't, I don't think those comparisons are out of place. So that makes sense, Clayton. That you're like, hmm, what do I, what do I do with this? So. Oh, and then Steam Wolf says, I'm seeing the Jurassic Worlds as separate entities, so I'd have to go with JP3. It's by no means perfect, but unlike The Lost World, it's got a clear character-driven plot and a lot of smart humor. Plus, if you can't appreciate Alan Grant being done with everything, 
in the kick-ass Spinosaurus, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's interesting that you think of the Jurassic Worlds as separate entities. I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just separated by time and in the sense that movies are made a little differently now, I could see that. But I'm, I'm curious to know what, what you think of that more or, or what, um, what you mean by that more, by seeing them as separate entities. So, um, Stephen, I'd love for you to chime in and, and tell me more of what you think about that. Um, all right, let's go. Let's go to... Where are we going next? We're going to Twitter. Um, so, at DTB... Uh, at DT... At DTD B35 Dilly, uh, who I met um, at the Jurassic Trivia Night a year ago, uh, another cool member of the Jurassic community, says, For me, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is tops. The Lost World strayed heavily from the book, otherwise I'd have it there before. Fallen Kingdom finally Fallen Fallen Kingdom, but Fallen Kingdom finally pushed the narrative further and gave us a lot of those Crichton ideas. He's so heavily used in other works. Plus, Gothic horror elements sold. Um, at Mike Tharm, the great Mike Tharm says, "The Lost World is a great modern adaptation of Arthur Conan Doyle's 1912 book. I love how dark and gritty it is compared to the dreamlike fantasy of Jurassic Park." Despite the script issues, which me and Justin are covering on the Missing Copies podcast, which if you, Missing Copy podcast, which if you haven't listened to that podcast, you need to give, give it a listen if you're a Jurassic fan, uh, which obviously you would be if you're listening to this podcast. Um, also, Heart the Copies. Um, and then Jurassic Dave, 39, <laughs> Jurassic Dave 93 says, for me, it's still The Lost World as my favorite Jurassic sequel. Despite what people say, it's still Spielberg and you know suspense. The trailer over the cliff scene is great. And I also love the mix of CG and practical that hasn't been matched until Fallen Kingdom. Um, and then Lewis, uh, aka um, at Jurassic underscore Korea. Lewis is so great. He's a really cool guy. Uh, the Lost World and Fallen Kingdom. Man, I can't decide which one I love more. I don't exactly know why, but I guess I love them because of their atmosphere. I always love cold, scary atmosphere. I love Jurassic, but those two are my favorite. Um, at Raptor Squads with a Z says Jurassic World seeing a fully operational park with guest realized on the screen has been a dream of mine since I first read Jurassic Park in 93. Also, it was my daughter's first Jurassic film in theaters. She said leaving the theater was the best movie I had seen in my life. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, that's really sweet. Um, at Kaiju Soars says the Lost World Jurassic Park was my favorite when I was growing up. I remember, I can remember watching it when my mom was working at the Dollar Tree and a friend of her let me be at his house and he played the Lost World Jurassic Park while I was eating mac and cheese. I enjoyed the movie. Look, any movie is great when you're eating mac and cheese, so I gotta watch more movies with mac and cheese. Um, at Rachel, Rachel the Rap says Jurassic World. And at CJ Broskin says JP3 is my favorite, not because it's good, but because it pretty much family to me the first one I saw, and quite frankly, it made Spinosaurus my favorite. I like that. Um, and at Inked and Illusion says Jurassic World. I truly love seeing the park in its full glory and then watching its fall. <laughs> Though I, that made me laugh really hard. Um, that was just the perfect setup. In its full glory, then watching its fall. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, though I have to say I'm more excited to see a post-Dino Apocalypse America than I have been for any of the other films. I know, I'm so excited for Jurassic Park 3. Okay. All right, so boom, boom, boom. Thank you, everybody, so much for your thoughts. Ooh, okay, so let's go to Instagram. And then after Instagram, we're going to get into those voicemails. Um, 
I'm super excited. God, I love... I, I'm trying to... I wish I would have, in my head... Or, not, or on a calculator, I guess. I wish I would have tallied this up to see which one was the best. But honestly, again, you know what this podcast is all about. It's about seeing seeing Jurassic right is the way that you see it. It's not about, you know, the, it's not about the numbers, you know, because it's about what, what... I didn't ask what the best Jurassic Park sequel is. I said, what's your favorite? So we don't need to know. But it seems like Lost World's winning. Anyway. Um... <laughs> So uh, on the See Jurassic Right Instagram, uh, Rose City Kitty said Jurassic World. Um, Bryce Ellis Howard running from dinos in those heels is impressive. And Chris Pratt is some great eye candy uh, at Ludi Sushi. God, everyone has such good handles. Says, I love Jurassic World for the nods to the original. And it's the movie that got my little boy into dinosaurs in Jurassic Park like me. He plays with my original Jurassic Park T-Rex toy. Oh, my God. That's going to make me cry. That's so sweet. Um, Blake Anderson 1516 says Lost World but I love Jurassic World as well Um, Jellyfish Parasol again everyone has great handles on Instagram Uh, Jurassic World simply because the hype was too real we were all ready for something new my mom and I can't get over how cute the raptors are when they run (laughs) remember it was my mom who suggested we go out and see it again not even a week after our first viewing in theater it's perfectly ridiculous movie and counting the references to the original was fun my only critique is them killing Claire's assistant woman inherit the earth remember love the podcast and love your love of the franchise um blue v design says nothing beats the lost world for me probably mostly due to nostalgic reasons i remember seeing it a few times in theater as a kid and thought it was so exciting i don't remember a lot of movies growing up with strong female leads in an action movie so i loved sarah and kelly so much also in my opinion the movie still holds up today uh, Dim Sum Kitty says The Lost World as well. I love me some Jeff Goldblum, not to mention Julian Moore as a redhead. Love seeing redheads on screen. Plus, love the T-Rex in San Diego. Uh, though I wish they had left the dog alone. <laughs> eat people, not eat people, not pets. Agreed. Um, at Alora Boreali. Again, everyone's Instagram handles are so great. She just says Jurassic World at Jurassic underscore fantastic says the lost world. I love its darker tone and gloomy backlit cinematography. I appreciate the fact that Spielberg made something completely different rather than just rehash the first film. It's got a great story with notable characters, the pacing and suspenseful direction are on point and John Williams score is once again, fantastic. Uh, at Indo underscore Marco says Jurassic world fallen kingdom. I know there aren't any more, Oh, yeah, I get it. So I know that they aren't as fresh or original as Jurassic Park, but I love it due to many factors. The plot, obviously, the epic scenes with dinosaurs that have a huge number of screen time, the many new species and special effects, and I adore the Interraptor. I like that the movie poses two questions, that do dinosaurs need to be saved from the island, and then do they need to be saved from Lockwood Mansion? Oh, that's so interesting. Um, Plus, I like the ending that's not bright and happy like many of the other movies. Um, ooh, and then Jurassic underscore Passion says, I agree with you, Jurassic Park, or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is the is is the best sequel. And then, then Indo Marco says, thanks, my dear Ravenclaw. Anyway, that was a very sweet interaction. Um, at Jurassic underscore finds underscore uh, underscore way, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is my favorite movie of the franchise. Not, is my favorite movie of the franchise and my favorite sequel. So, there's that. Um, at Aquamarine Maiden says, Jurassic World is... It easily felt like a continuation of Jurassic Park, more so than Lost World ever did. Ooh. Um, and at Lynn, Lindsay Dawn 18 says the Lost World, the tone of the whole movie matched the storyline perfectly, not to mention the cliff scene with the camper is 
absolutely phenomenal. And then on my personal Instagram, because I posted this on my on my personal one as well too, at case underscore Pez says Fallen Kingdom, but I'm biased because my husband got set up a bunch of the fossil casts and watched them get destroyed on set in London. Whoa, that's crazy. At Erica21S says The Lost World, why? Jeff Goldblum, also the guy who gets eaten trying to run into the movie store, is credited as as unlucky bastard. Perfection. And of course, that's David Kep, the screenwriter. So that's 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 a fun trivia fact. Um, at Ginger um, Andres says the Lost World, the gymnastics scene is amazing. Saren Kelly are a badass. Is Nick Ben Owen is out of out for corporate blood? And of course, Doctor Malcolm is peak dreaminess. And let's not even talk about the baby T Rex uh, leg setting scene. At Binkovich Chomps. Chomovsky says, I've been trying to answer this question in my heart since you posted. I think the best movie is Jurassic World. Good cast, fun script, captures the original magic. And I totally believe that is how Jurassic Park would be brought into modern times. But then, Lost World is underrated. The cast is so fun. And what's this? Two T-Rexes? Dr. Malcolm's daughter is a strong, smart POC with agency. And him screaming, Sarah! Sarah! Kills me every time. Okay, maybe typing all this outsolved all my own dilemmas. At Taylor Burmy says the Lost World for sure. I know it gets a lot of flack, but it was the per- I was the perfect age for it when I saw it, and it's still so much fun. I love the design of the T Rex, uh, striped raptors, Parasaurolophus, and copies. I was still am obsessed with the double trailer. Um, at official Kenna says Lost World so underrated, uh, and at Color Me Barbara says she doesn't even have Sega. She's tro- she's such a troglodyte. That just that. Again, we're getting lots of love for Lost World here. Lost World from um, Berber Baggins says Lost World. The bus off the cliff scene is ridiculous and amazing. The Dino in New York scene is the best uh, callback to classic monster movies in the big city. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. There's so much I love about this film. Um, at Poodles 200 says Jurassic World. It was like a road trip down memory lane to see the old memorabilia and even the T-Rex. And I really liked the side story of Owen and the Raptors that lets us see a different side of the Raptors, a redeeming side. Then they went crazy and attacked people, but redeemed themselves yet again at the end. <laughs> uh, Angie Huff says Jurassic Park three. It slowly grown me when my dad would watch it. And then he watched and he watched it a lot. Uh, and then finally at Kayla J Toth says Jurassic Park three, nothing beats the bird cage scene, seeing the massive dinosaurs emerge through the fog. Epic. Oh my gosh. Thank you again, everybody, for writing in and commenting. I think this is definitely the most commented on question yet so far. I really, really appreciate it. And then having these other questions throughout the month just makes my month so much brighter to just getting to talk Jurassic every day with all of you. Um, So we're going to play some voicemails, again, of people talking about their favorite Jurassic Park sequel. So listen to those, enjoy those, and then stick around uh, for a little tribute at the very end. Uh, Yeah, let's dive into it. Hey, Stephen. My name is Alan. Uh, My Twitter handle is at Alan and King. So I'm just commenting on my favorite Jurassic Park sequel. It's going to be definitely like the OG uh, sequel, Lost World. I grew up, uh, I was a teenager when it came out, so I definitely saw it in the movies. And pretty much was like everything I wanted in a sequel. Got more Jeff Bloom. Jeff Goldblum uh, and Julianne Moore. She's all like Mama Bear 
And she's like, no, Mr. Bad Guy, you are not getting this baby T-Rex. And oh, speaking of the baby T-Rex, uh, now that I'm a cat owner and I love the T-Rex cry is so triggering. So it's like the kind of cry that you only hear when you know your cats are interested. It's like, oh, 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 oh. And so like the T-Rex family is pretty much, it's the best like familial unit. You got the Mama Rex, you got Dad T-Rex, and they knock over the trailer and then Julie Moore's on that glass. Oh my God, that was such a incredible scene. But the end of the movie and when the, they get the T-Rex baby onto the ship and then the bad, evil bad guy, he's like, oh, I'm going to get you, little baby T-Rex. But then he finds out that the mama and the dad's right there. And then, oh, that was such a good, good thing. So it pretty much, that, that's my pull for my favorite sequel. All right. Um, just want to say... Thanks for all the hard work you do on all these podcasts, and it was so much fun meeting you at CatCon. And I'll see you later. Bye. Hi. Um, this is in regards to this one question. And if you had asked, like, five years ago, I probably would have said The Lost World, because that was kind of like my movie. You know, growing up, I was a little too young to see Jurassic Park in theaters or get the toys. Um, so it was really The Lost World that kind of was cemented as my Jurassic movie. And, uh, probably saw it like ten times in theaters. But, um, now that you ask me, I'd probably have to say it's Jurassic World. I just had such a great, like, movie-going experience with Jurassic World. The hype was, was legit. And there's just no part of that movie that I don't like. Like, if I want to watch a Jurassic movie, like, the first thing that pops into my mind is Jurassic World. And uh, having rewatched The Lost World, and when I watched all of the movies in preparation of um, Fallen Kingdom, I kind of started to notice its flaws more now as an adult. So I think, for whatever reason, Jurassic World has kind of become my Jurassic movie and replaced The Lost World as my favorite sequel. So, um, yeah, that's it. Oh, and I'm Taylor, uh, Griffinberg Press on Instagram. <laughs> Yoo-hoo! Uh, hello, hello. Uh, hello, Stephen. Spend some time, me old friend. How are you doing? Well, as you can see, I'm, I'm a very old man. Time is not on my side, I'm afraid. If I'm not careful, Injun will take control of my company. <laughs> anyway, anyway, completely off topic. Uh, I thought I would leave a wee email because I was having a wee look through the uh, the, uh, the Twitter pages and I come across your tweet that said about your favourite Jurassic Park sequel. And being the father of Jurassic Park, I thought I would give you my opinion, whether you liked it or not. Now, I've uh, had a wee think about this, and it's not an easy decision. I've... Um, been thinking about the pros of each of these films put together and what makes them the best sequel to Jurassic Park. So I'm going to start with The Lost World. The Lost World has a darker and uh, dingier tone to the first film. It offers something new, these creatures are in the wild, and has some characters to remember. Now Jurassic Park 3 has its problems. 
but uh, as a positive, it's fast-paced, has excellent dinosaurs, and throws you straight into the action for a quick fix. Then in 1998, Masrani Corporation took over from InGen and finally started to build Jurassic World, the park that I always dreamed of opening. A true biological preserve, top of the line, spared no expense. And to me, that film is the perfect sequel to Jurassic Park. No, 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 don't think I don't like The Lost World. I do, I do, I do, I do. But, um, I think as a direct sequel, taken the second film and the third film out of the equation, Jurassic World works as the perfect sequel to Jurassic Park. Now, that doesn't mean that I think that Jurassic World is the best movie out of the sequels. No, Lost World is my favourite. Fallen Kingdom did a very good job bringing back the Lost World tone to the new trilogy. And uh, I love the fact that it's more closely written to Crichton's work that we all know and love. But uh, nope, the Lost World is my favourite sequel, but Jurassic World is the best Jurassic Park sequel. Now, if you want to hear more of me, head down to Jurassic Unicast on YouTube and Twitter, where the guys James and Steve are working very hard and tirelessly to create entertainment for you all. Now, one day we hope to get you on the, the Jurassic Pop Quiz, Stephen. You know, the one from the Jurassic Park podcast. James and Steve would love to test your knowledge on the franchise, but I'm sure that will happen eventually. I guess, as Ian Malcolm so eloquently put it, life will find a way. See you later. Hi, this is Matt Salgado from Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mateo83. And just wanted to answer this week's question for this week's mini-stone. And my favorite Jurassic Park sequel would have to be Jurassic World. I mean, I grew up, I was about 9 or 10 years old when the movie came out, when Jurassic Park came out. And being a lot older and being able to experience Jurassic World was so much fun for me. Uh, it was like reliving a part of my childhood, especially when you were watching that scene and the train is coming up to the gates and the gates are opening and the kids are all in awe. I remember being just as excited just watching the first movie, uh, watching Jurassic Park with my mom, or with my mom and my dad at the time, and being able to experience that with my wife. And now we have a son who's two and a half years old, and he absolutely loves the movies. And being able to share that experience with him, being able to uh, relive those moments. So Jurassic World is definitely uh, my favorite Jurassic Park sequel. Thanks. Hi, Stephen Ray Morris. This is Amelie Belcher calling in yet again. And uh, this week's question, or this month's question, was uh, what is your favorite sequel? And I've been thinking a lot about this, and a lot of people are getting sick of me talking about it, so now I'm talking to you about it. I think the best sequel to the Jurassic Park franchise was Fallen Kingdom, even though I've only seen it once because it broke my heart and I refused to watch it again. But the reason why I say that is because, unlike the previous sequels, Fallen Kingdom manages to bring Jurassic Park into the franchise of Universal Monsters the way the others simply could not. Two was totally all over the place. It was a great movie, but it was part animal rescue and an environmental documentary sort of thing, and then it was part fish out of water, Godzilla. It didn't really know where it was, and I hate to say that because I love Jeff Goldblum so much, but not my favorite. Three was, like... Almost comedy, it was so ludicrous, but it was still a great time. It's like, you know, Jaws the Revenge of the sequels. 
the first Jurassic World was fun and all and great and it was great to be back in the park system but that's not the park I grew up with but Fallen Kingdom manages to make these dinosaurs legit universal monsters which is something my husband and I fight about all the time so being a massive universal monster fan the classic monsters I look at this movie and went oh my gosh they did it they've got mad scientists they've got the gothic castle slash mansion out in the woods where nobody can see it they've got the secret laboratory and with Maisie coming across as now a monster herself poor little baby thing as a clone that just brings us all back together with the hubris of mad scientists it's, it's just wonderful it's, it's, it's Dr. Frankenstein all over again and to know that these dinosaurs like like our wonderful B.D. Wong said are not real dinosaurs and that throwaway line that just wraps it all back up together we created these things to look like dinosaurs they're not dinosaurs they're monsters the Indoraptor framed against the moonlight that was just wonderful it spoke back to Long Cheney and, and, and Boltman and just the darker tones of the whole thing the, 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 the museum underneath it was a monument to the hubris of mad science and that is what Universal Monsters are all about and I think that is why it might be my favorite of the sequels even though I can't bear to watch it again so that's my opinion on the sequels and uh, I hope uh, I hope I hope you like my opinion okay well thank you so much love everything you do okay bye bye I love all those voicemails I love everybody's thoughts on what their favorite Jurassic Park movie is uh, I just we could just talk about it. I mean, we have been talking about it all day. Um, but before we go and before we get into this month's tribute, I wanted to mention that next month's question, again, based off of this quote that I mentioned earlier uh, by Colin Trevorrow, who's going to d- be directing Jurassic World 3, uh, when they were asked about whether uh, Jurassic World 3 will be the final film in the Jurassic World series, Colin Trevorrow said, I'm kind of a one movie at a time kind of guy, so my eyes are on this one. So, you know, it's it's not news but I think it's the first kind of like hmm? like dog in a in a TV commercial or something for baked beans it's like the it's like Duke uh, so yeah my question is so if they were to make more Jurassic Park movies after Jurassic World 3 what would those movies look like to you would they be prequels would they be spin-offs would they be a new trilogy of films starring adult Macy in a world where the dino apocalypse has happened? Is it basically Dinotopia? Are we just going to be doing Dinotopia where we live in peace with dinosaurs and harmony? Uh, so what would those, what would more Jurassic Park movies look like to you is my question. So you can always call 323-688-6969 to tell me there or email cdraskred at gmail.com or just comment on one of the social posts. So again, I'm really excited to hear your responses because, again, I it's funny, as much as I want more Jurassic Park movies and more Jurassic in general, I really haven't put too much thought of what what a narrative would look like post-Jurassic World 3. So, I mean, again, it's a lot to think that far ahead, but my brain's my brain is is ticking with what those possibilities are. So yeah, I'm excited to hear all your thoughts. And then the final thing I wanted to say uh, on a more sad note um, is just the passing of um, a woman named Astrid. You know her as the Jurassic Park Collection. Um, you know, a lot of people have been mentioning because she passed earlier uh, last month. Um, 
in July and she was such a big part of the community. I never personally interacted with her, but she was definitely one of the first Jurassic community members that I discovered way back when I was getting into Jurassic Park on, you know, and the first place I went to is YouTube, you know, finding Jurassic collectibles um, and Astrid's channel was one of the first ones I found as well. Um, and so um, there's been really great tributes. Jenny Woods over at JP Toys, Brad over at Jurassic Park Pod, and um, over at Collecting Jurassic World, Victoria and Tim, they've done some really sweet, sweet um, tributes to her. And so I'm not going to kind of, you know, wax on and on or anything like that. But I think if you don't know her work, if you don't know her collection, she also had a restaurant called Prehistoric Land in her home of Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, and I think it was Victoria and Tim saying, you know, and I think a lot of people are saying it's like, even though this person has passed, you know, her collection lives on and, and all the great work that she uh, gave to this community lives on. So I think if you aren't familiar with her work, if you're not familiar with her channels, go check them out and, you know, let that kind of, uh, my roommate, my best friend in college, you know, he, he said that art was a, should be a gift that you give to people. And I think Astrid's channel and, and the stuff that she did, I think is a great example of that. And so, um, just what I can do here at the end of this podcast is just say, Hey, go check her stuff out. Cause um, you know, she's going to live on. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make a mention of that. So rest in peace, Astrid. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, you know, I, I can't thank everyone enough for, for making Jurassic be this thing that is, is every day. And so, you know, it's, there's times where if I'm bummed out, it's like, just focus on that. Just dive into that. You know, if you're sad, like, I'll just go to these Jurassic questions and just read everyone's answers. And, and I really like, I'm so thankful that, that we get to have this space and that we get, that we've created this space together. So, um, yeah, thanks everyone. Um, I am really looking forward to hearing more of your thoughts and, and chats and stuff over the month. Um, you know, as we continue to talk Jurassic and I appreciate every one of you and well, you gotta, you gotta always hold on to those butts. So, um, until next time, I will talk to you very soon. Bye. Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJRPod on Twitter, See Jurassic Ride on Instagram, See Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at seejurassicride at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Ride is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.